and welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now, let's turn our hearts and our minds to the Word as we begin today's episode. We've been in a series on Sunday nights talking about the world, the flesh, and the devil. I think tonight may be the last message in that series. We'll see. If you'd like to to study uh, more on that, uh, John Mark Comer uh, has um, a wonderful book out. Um, And uh, I read it a a couple of months ago, uh, but it's Live No Lies. And you can go and read that, and he covers the world, the flesh, and the devil. And out of all the books that I read for this series, that one is extensive. The problem with that book is, is after reading, I'm like, I've got 18 messages I could teach out of this thing, John. Uh, But if you want to go in depth on that, if you feel like I need more, then there you go. Get that book, uh, and it'll help you. Uh, Ephesians, let's go over there and look at it. Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to look at a scripture that shows us the world, the flesh, and the devil. And then we'll turn over to the book of Galatians and talk specifically about the flesh. Ephesians 2 and verse number 1, Paul wrote this to the church at Ephesus. And he says, and you, so he's talking to me, he's talking to you, were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked, According to the course, well, now watch this, the course of this world. So the world, there we have that. According to the prince of the power of the air, the devil, there you have him. Of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh. Do you see the world, the flesh, and the devil? Amen. Indulging in the desires of the flesh and mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So notice he says, here's the problem that's in the world. It's the world, the flesh, and the devil. You see this going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. This is how we started this series. You have Eve there in the garden. And you see the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, you have a a tree right there. And it's very interesting when you read it. It was in the center of the garden. But it was something in the world that she was not to touch. It was, if you will, the forbidden fruit of like, don't even go around it. Like, this is not something you want to mess with. And God says it's prohibited. And so there are things like that in the world that, you know, you can read the epistles and see like, okay, I'm not to be involved in lust. It's forbidden fruit. I'm not to go near it. Jealousy, strife, envying, any of these things. It's like, don't go near these things. They're bad for you. Well, you see that in the world, you had the tree. Well, you didn't just have that in the world, in the tree. You also had the devil, that Satan is now uh, telling her a lie, evil lie, that what God called bad is actually good. And we said, this is how Satan works in your life and mine and in the world, is he comes and says, what God said is bad. It's not that bad. What God said you can't do, oh, you can do it and be fine. Uh, what God said don't touch, oh, you can touch it. And so he wants to make God's truth a lie and his lie your truth. And so he immediately begins to tell Eve, God's lied to you. Actually, here's the truth. It'll be good for you. And Eve is, is surveying all this. Now, she hasn't sinned yet. She just has the world, something in her world that she knows not to touch. She has the devil, the devil tempting her by saying like, no, no, it's actually not that bad. You'll be fine. In fact, it'll be better for you. Uh, But then she also has her flesh. The Bible says when she sees that the tree was good for food, her flesh began to desire it. And so there you see in our lives, I think we're all familiar with that, we have a world now that tells us that what God calls bad is actually okay. 
And it's actually not that bad for you. And, and he gets through any kind of realm he can to set up a world that is going anti-Christ. Uh, that there is Christ and his teaching and biblical knowledge, but all of that's old-fashioned. And all of that is like, we've moved way beyond that now. And so out of that to label God's truth a lie. And then all of us have been tempted, and we know what that's like. And and tonight's message, all of us know what it's like to have flesh and desires of our flesh that we know are unholy and desires in our flesh that we know we have to put down. And what I want to talk about is that and then how to put it down. So let's read in Galatians where it's right next door. Uh, So literally for me, I just have to turn one page. Uh, But let's look here in Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to look at the essence of the flesh in verse number 17. Dealing with the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition one to another, so that you may not do the things that you please. Now let's read that again for fun. For the flesh, watch this, the flesh sets its desire against the spirit. He's talking about what's going on in you right now. The flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit is against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you will not do the things that you please. Now, uh, we talked about this morning, and if you weren't here, I'll just mention it. But we said this morning Uh, that your deepest desires conflict always with your strongest desires. Um, That in each and every one of us right now, me and you, there are deep desires. And in this passage of scripture, which you could liken that to is the spirit. And one of the things I, I asked you to do this morning is to sit for at least five minutes. You can give me five minutes this week to sit with five minutes with the spirit. Put on some worship music and mind the desires of your heart. You could even ask, Holy Spirit, help me see what I genuinely want. And I think if you would have done that to Eve way back in the day and be like, Eve, what do you really want? And if she sat down and really mined her deep desires, it would not be that tree. It would be, I want family. I want a family. I want a marriage that glorifies the Lord. I want to walk with the Lord in intimate ways. I want children who walk with the Lord. I want to build a house that has peace. I want to take these trees and I want to make something out of it. I don't want to make some furniture. I want to make a home. Like her desires would have been pure and they would have been her deepest desires. But we see that Satan wanted her uh, not mindful of her deep desires, but only mindful of the urgent strong ones, which was eat this when now. Don't wait. Don't think about it. Don't process it. Eat it now. And so in your life, you see this play out all the time. And even if you're here tonight, you're not a Christian. You can see this play out that in your heart, you have deep desires that are in you. And we mentioned a couple this morning. This is one that is constantly in conflict with my flesh that I'm working on submitting. Uh, But like genuinely a deep desire of mine. And it's deep on a personal level because my father died at 44 of a heart attack. And my uncle died at 54 of heart disease. Uh, So out of that, it's a deep desire of mine to be healthy for a a multitude of reasons. I want to see my my kids have kids. I want to be there for Ava Reese. One of of the deepest pains of my life was doing my my sister's wedding. My father wasn't there for it. Um, And so I I performed the ceremony. I can just remember seeing her walk down the aisle and I was just crying. Uh, for her in that moment that, you know, my father wasn't walking her down the aisle, but then too, like, I know he would have loved to have done that ceremony. So somebody says, well, why do you say that? To let you in just to my heart and to my world on how deep that desire is. Like a desire to be healthy and a desire to be strong, a desire to, to have energy and life and vitality to run my race. That's a deep desire. But oftentimes, and I'm sure some of you can relate to this, I find my strongest desires going to war against my deepest desires so that I cannot do the things that I please. I please to to live healthy, to eat grass and all those things that I know will help me live long. 
But there's another desire in my flesh that just wants the Snickers and wants it now. Like, does any, can anybody relate to this at all? Like, like you, you smell, you know, what they're, they're cooking, fresh cookies out of the oven. Like my wife the other day, the kids, Reese was like being awesome as she always is. And she was helping my wife out with something. And she's like, I'm going to have her cookies waiting for her when she gets home. And so when she comes, there's crumble, crumble cookies. All right. Fresh out of the oven on the counter. And like, I, I know, like I've got a deep desire to be healthy and to not eat something that's like literally baked in butter. And like all of like literally when they display the cookies and you see the calories, they can only do one fourth because they're so bad for you. Like all of those kinds of things. I know all of this intrinsically. I know all of this. I still ate the cookie. Can anybody relate? And like you have a deep desire, but at the same time, at the same time of having a deep desire, you have a strong desire. Um, You have a a deep desire for family and to not lose your temper, but then something triggers you in a moment and there's a strong desire to prove your point and you find yourself yelling and you begin to hate yourself for it. You have a deep desire to have intimacy that, that literally intimacy, the nature of intimacy is the two of you share what only the two of you share. And that there's a deep desire in your heart to one day have that with someone else. That the two of you have together what only the two of you have together. But there's another desire in you for gratification of the flesh. Or another desire in you to be liked right now. And so you find that strong desire overtaking and killing that deep desire. What is this? This is the flesh. You have the deep desire to be free financially, and you hate the financial pressure you live under. You hate it. You have a deep desire to be free from that pressure, but yet there's another desire in you that just says, I can charge it one more time. And these strong desires overtake these deep desires. And this is something that each and every one of us, I don't care who you are, is going to face in our life. But you have to see... Uh, with Eve, when she gave in to her strong desires, when Samson gave in to his strong desires, when Judas gave in to his strong desires, what happened to them? It began to eat and take their deepest ones. And so dealing with the flesh is something we must learn. I must learn how to confront this. I, I genuinely must learn how to face this. You have to learn how to face this. You have to see how, uh, how these desires of the flesh that are strong are actually warring against the deep desires in your heart. And one of the things I'm going to give you, you who are listening to this podcast as well as you who are here right now, I'm going to give you something that I don't want to do, but it will be good for you. I'm going to give you more homework. And here's the homework I'm giving you. I'm asking you to make out a list of your deep desires and then ask what strong desires are coming after it. Okay? So you're going to, like, if I could, if I could have my way and just do anything right now, I'd make this a workshop, make you pick a buddy, and make you write these things down in front of each other. Seriously, because there's power in confession and accountability. Uh, and the church doesn't want that, so we don't do things like that, but maybe we should. Uh, um, so, but, uh, but seriously, and I, I know, like, one of the, one of the things that I, I long to see is more work with what we're teaching. Like, I, I don't want it to be just something what you, you, it's a good service. What, what are you doing with it though? It was a good message, but what was the action step? What change did you decide to make in the service? Uh, but I would love for you to write down all of those strong desires that you have and then to see uh, how they're coming against the deep desires. So it's like, I want to be debt-free financially. What strong desires are coming? Like, I want to pray more. Like, in my heart, I want to pray. Like, I know at 6 o'clock I should be praying. But yet there's that strong desire that's like there at 11 that's like, one more show, baby. Like, one more. It'll be fine. You can pray the next day. Uh, you know, all of those types of things. So write all of those things down and ask, what strong desires are coming after my deepest ones? And the reason why is if you can identify your enemy, you can attack it better. 
But if you don't see it as an enemy, it will keep seeing you as the foe and it will whip you every time. Um, And so out of that, I want you to identify those strong desires and I want you to attack it. Now, this is something that all of us face. This was was interesting. I'm sure many of you have read this before, but go over to the book of Romans real quick. And we're going to see Paul who wrote, you know, basically three fourths of your New Testament in terms of like actual books, not words, but books. Watch what he says in the book of Romans, uh, Romans chapter seven and verse number 14. You're going to see this thought Uh, played out by the Apostle Paul uh, all over again of the strong desires overtaking the deep ones, the nature of the flesh. Verse 14, 7 and 14 in the book of Romans. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am in the flesh sold into the bondage of sin. Watch this. For what I am doing, I do not understand, for I am not practicing that which I would like to do, but now I'm doing the very thing I hate. Now, this is the Apostle Paul, and he's talking about where he's at in his life. This, I, does this give anybody else hope? It's like, if, 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 if God could use Paul and he was still wrestling with some things, like, God can use us while we're still wrestling with some things. But literally, this man who's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the book of Romans says, there's some things in my life that I find myself doing that I hate. I hate it when I fill in the blank. And maybe there are some things in your life that you have felt that way with. Like, Pastor Joel, I hate it when I do this. When I practice this, after I do it, there's so much shame and there's so much guilt, but I find myself doing it anyway. And Paul is writing here to his audience, and I love it, and he's saying, that's me too. That there are things that I know to do, and I genuinely want to do them, and they're deep desires, but I find myself not doing them. And I actually find myself giving in to the strongest desires that I know are, are there solely to kill my deepest ones. And I, I just want to say that again. Why are the strong desires there? Why is, is the desire for the tree of the knowledge and good and evil there? The strong desires are there to kill your deepest ones. And so one of the things that I, I would love to do uh, in this is to work up in you enough dislike for those desires when you identify them that you choose to address them. Uh, The enemy always wants to, to hide in the dark. And so when you expose them into the light and say, I see you, because how does it start? It starts with the devil's lie. The world reinforces it until your flesh accepts it as a truth. You do it repetitively and now it's a habit. And then the world feeds the habit by telling you it's not that bad and that everybody else is doing it. Um, And so out of that, Paul is saying, like, I see in me, watch what he says here, verse 14, um, but I am of the flesh, sold into bondage of sin for what I am doing. I don't understand why I'm doing it, for I am not practicing what I would like to do. But I'm actually doing the very thing I hate. Watch this in verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is, watch this, in my flesh. That there are desires there, he's saying. For the willing is present in me. He's saying, but there's something else in me that like wants to do the right thing. But there's also something in my flesh that like it, 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 it wants the wrong thing. And he's describing this war... Uh, but doing the, the good is not. For the good I want, I don't do it. But I practice the very evil that I do not want. Can anybody say, I understand? <laughs> uh, can any, could anybody be honest and just be like, yeah, I've been there last night or like whenever it was. Uh, you know, he, here he's describing something that's going on in him. And I'm reading this to show you, do not feel shame. Shame will not fix you. And I know people have tried to use shame to fix you, but it will not. 
shame leads always to more sin. And the reason why the Holy Spirit is having Paul write this is to free you from shame, to let you see it will not stop God from using you. There is hope and there is freedom in Jesus. And to show you that if he was wrestling with this and beat it, you can wrestle with this and beat it too. And so he's describing this going on in himself. In verse 20 he says, But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but the sin which dwells in me. And this is why I want you to write down those conflicting desires is so that you can see the sin that dwells in you so that you can confront it. I find then the principle that is evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inward man. Now, I love that language there. I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. He's saying there is a man in me. And I I can relate to this so strongly. There is a man in me that genuinely wants to be free and only belong to Jesus. There is a man in me that hates sin. Not just like sin, but sin in me that hates pride, um, that, that comes to a place of, of genuinely disliking something. There is something in me. Like, I'll give you a for instance, just in my own life, and I'm not afraid to use myself as an example. Uh, so I have sin in me. I, I don't know if you understand that pastors still wrestle with these types of things. But one of the ones that I find in me quite often that I'm trying to identify and kill with the help of God's grace is pride. And it comes up many times. I'll give you a for instance. The other night I was sitting on the couch. This was like literally three nights ago. I'm sitting on the couch and, you know, I'm, I'm talking to my family. My wife's sitting there and my daughter's kind of leaned over on the sofa. And I'm talking to them about, um, you know, we're starting a new budget on Friday and this is where we're going as a family. And, you know, then I begin to talk about some of the things that I'm doing to kind of help the family with the budget and different things. And I begin to point out to them the life that they're living, most notably the charges that they made for summer camp, or not summer camp, the Six Flags trip. And I'm like, you know, we make charges like that. Uh, a lot without even thinking about the sacrifice that was, uh, you know, exercised to obtain it. And I am saying that talking about my sacrifice. And immediately when I walk away from that, I I just sense the pride I had in that because I know out of it, don't get me wrong, there is some sacrifice involved, but there is the grace of God that is on my life that has empowered me to be able to do those things. And why would I want them to feel shame? Because out of that, it wasn't even wanting them to feel shame. It was for them to want to clap for me. Of like, oh, you, you, do, you know what, Dad? You do work really hard to give us this time. What is that? It's pride. And in all of us, there are things like that. And so I had to, to tell them later. I'm like, you remember that? I am so sorry. That was pride, and I know you're thankful for me. And besides all, it was the grace of God that enables us to do what we do, and especially for you to to go with your friends to um, Six Flags. So there are things like that in all of us. There are moments of pride. There are moments of, of sin that just kind of pop up in our own flesh. And the inward man hates those things and oftentimes will reveal it to us. And so we're living with this deep desire in conflict with strong desire. And what we're wanting is for the deep desire to win. And so out of this, Paul is describing this, and I'll finish this up and then tell you how briefly. Um, He said, for I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, meaning there's a man in me that joyfully agrees with what God wants to do. But I see a different law in the members of my body. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So he's having this moment where he ends this kind of dialogue with what a wretched person I am. And once again, I think it's God through the Holy Spirit identifying with you. And not not that I'm saying you are a wretched man or a woman, but you felt that way, right? 
There, there are moments where you have been deeply disappointed in yourself, where the inward man and woman in you saw what the outward man and woman in you did, and the deep desire in you knows that the strong desire won. And when that happens, we hate it. We, we genuinely are at this place of frustration. And, and so what Paul is writing, the book of Romans and others for, is to teach us how to come to this place of winning against the flesh. And so that's what I want to talk to you about in closing. Two things. If you'll do these two things, you can win against the flesh. Number one, deny the flesh early and often. Deny the flesh early and deny the flesh often. Um, Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and let's look here in verse number 24. 1 Corinthians 9 and 24. Uh, You know this passage of scripture. Paul is talking about himself. And out of this, he's kind of telling them about some of the things he's looking to accomplish in life and things that he gave up to be who he is. And he says this in verse number 24, do you not know that those who run in a race run all, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control. Now watch this. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then to do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. He says that at the end of your days, when you stand before the Lord Jesus, you will get the wreath was the crown they placed on your head, a crown for the way you lived your life or not. And that out of that, he says that you, you see natural athletes who really discipline their body to achieve things. Uh, to win medals and prizes and all those things. I watch like what my son goes through in football. Like the next day, he can't even walk down the steps. Um, He plays uh, right tackle and left end on the ninth grade team. So he never is leaving the field. And he's the kicker. So he never leaves the field. And so out of that, I'm like, if you can make it through this season, you can make it next year because you're not going to play both sides of the ball. But like I watch what he puts his body through for that position. And for those things. And he is doing it to win a natural prize. And Paul is saying, if you would use that kind of discipline as an athlete to win something in the natural, how much more should you be doing that to win something in the spirit? To put your body under, to begin disciplining it. And so out of that, he's using that as an example. And so he says in verse 26, therefore, I run in such a way... Uh, as without aim, I box in such a way, not as beating the air, verse 27, but I discipline my body. I discipline my body and I make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So he's saying, uh, I'm not just going to exercise control in the thing that I keep failing in. I'm going to exercise control in all things. I'm going to come to a place where I'm putting under my, my whole body often, that I am disciplining myself. Now, somebody says, what does that mean? It means that when your body is wanting something, you often tell it no. And I'm not just talking about the deep desires I'm talk, or, or the, the strong desires. I'm talking about the basic ones. Like you're eating something really good and you know it's really good and you just make a decision I'm not going to eat anymore. You're watching a show. It's right in the middle of like, oh, it's so good. And you turn it off. Um, that you, you come to a place where you're right in the middle of like, you know, they are, are talking to you and you know you have a point that will prove your point without fail if they will just listen and you don't share it. And you find those moments where your body is absolutely reaching for something and you say, no. And if you will come to the place where you are crucifying your body, and, and this, Paul uses this terminology in Galatians. He says that if you're following the Spirit, that you have crucified the flesh and its lust. You have crucified the flesh and its lust. If you're following the Spirit, you have crucified the flesh with its lust. Crucifixion is not a beheading. A beheading is a quick death. A crucifixion is a slow one. 
And so out of that, what, what he, he is saying here, and Jesus said, take up your cross how often? Daily. Meaning, this is not something that it's like, I, I'm free and I never have to wrestle with the flesh ever again. What this is saying is that every single day of your life, you need to take up your cross and say, you know what, today, flesh, you're not the boss of me. I want five more minutes. No, you're not going to have five more minutes. We're getting out of this bed right now and you hop out of the bed. That you allow your spirit. Paul said, I put under my body. Who's he talking about? I. He's talking about his spirit. That I, the real me, my deep desires are going to begin being in control. And I'm not going to wait for like the real strong temptation to come. I'm just going to do this often. Where I often tell my body, no. You want it? Great. No. You, oh, you want to go there? No. You want to watch? No. You want to eat that? No. Like often and regularly crucify your body. Take up your cross daily. And somebody says, well, that doesn't sell fun. You know what is fun? Freedom. When you come to a place where you really have no Lord but the Lord Jesus, and that out of that, nothing in this world makes you bow your knee, that's fun. Because you know what it is? When you start living out a deep desire, you actually see the deep desire come true. And you come to a place when you yield to the Spirit, that of the Spirit, you reap love, joy, and peace. You come to this place where your life is filled with self-control and it's filled with meekness and gentleness and all these things that we really want because you have learned to live from deep desire and not strong ones. But what happens is, is we wait to put under our body until the really strong desires come. But they come so quick and they come so, so subtly at the same time that out of that we find ourselves giving in to them often. And I'm saying, yes, tell those things no and like be mindful of that when they do come and it'll help you be mindful if you actually write down what they are. But I'm saying don't wait to say no until then. With the very small things that your flesh wants, learn to just say, nope. I'm not going there. Nope. I'm not watching that. Nope. I'm not eating that. And somebody says, well, why? It's not bad. And it's like, I know. But I'm just showing my flesh who's in control. I know it's not bad, but I just want my flesh to know at any time, at any place, in any situation, I can tell it no. I crucify my body. I put it under control. I control my body. My body will not control me. This is what Paul is saying. Is Paul is saying regularly, I find the points of my body and I discipline. Somebody says, well, what can I do on a practical level in this area too? Fast. Don't eat for a day. Seriously. For a day, don't eat, just drink water. And you'll see how much your flesh recoils. And just how strong with the world and the flesh it has actually become. Tell your body, I'm not eating today. And come to a place where for 24 hours you put nothing in your body. Somebody says, I don't know if I can do it. Well, start with, okay, until uh, the, the early Christians every Monday or every Wednesday and Friday would only, um, would fast from, from sunrise to sundown and just make it, we're not eating. Well, why? Because I, I'm proving to my body I am in control, that my body will not control me, I control my body. And Jesus fasted. Um, we, we have so much information on Jesus even telling us in Matthew 6, when you fast. Not if you fast, when. When you fast. Uh, and he said, when you fast in private, I will reward you in public. And fasting is not abstinence. Abstinence is like the restraint from these natural desires. Fasting is the abstaining of food. And so out of that, what you want to make a decision to do is that food... Eve's desire, food. Esau's desire, food. Satan's uh, first desire to Jesus, food. Uh, when Jesus was able to say no to all of those temptations, what was he saying no to first for 40 days? Food. He did not eat for 40 days. And so out of that, food was the original gateway of sin and sickness and devil and everything evil into the world. And it is a way for you to come out because when you are telling food no, you're telling your flesh no at one of its weakest points. And that's for every single person. And so out of that, uh, begin to slowly and steadily defy and deny the flesh 
often. How? Saying no in the moments of desire. You want it? Turning it off. You want to watch it? Nope. You want to finish it? Nope. I'm done with it. I'll watch it tomorrow. And make a decision to to gain mastery there and then fast. Abstain from food. And then secondly, real quick, yield to the Spirit. Deny the flesh early and often, and secondly, yield to the Spirit. Go over to Galatians chapter 5. We were just there in verse number 16. Galatians 5, 16, and then we'll go to Romans 6. Galatians 5, 16. Paul says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Now, do you see the terminology there? If you walk by the Spirit, you will not carry out the lust of the flesh. Years ago, I heard someone teaching on this, and they were talking about their dog, and they had an outside dog, and every morning they'd come and fill, you know, give it fresh water. And they said, you know, when I give it fresh water, I do not reach down to take all the bugs out of the water that are, that's in the old water. I just turn on fresh water until it fills up the, the container and pushes out all the bugs in the container. Uh, So I'm not bending down there in the dog bowl trying to get each one of the flies out. I just turn the water on and wash out all the bad. So I'm not trying to get the bad out as much as I'm trying to get the good in. Knowing that when the good is in, it pushes the bad out. And Jesus talked about this, that when you make it, I'm cleaning out my life. He says, when you kick out the enemy, if the enemy comes back and you're not filled with anything, immediately he will come back and it'll be much worse than when you began. And how many of you have seen that in your life? It's like, no, and for a week it was. But a week later it came back and it's like, it's actually worse than it was before because it's not just denying the flesh, it is now yielding towards the spirit. And in fact, if you had to pick one, it's like, well, which one do you want me to do? Both. Don't don't make me pick. But if I had to pick just one, I would say if you focus on getting the good in, you will steadily begin losing your taste for the bad. Um, if, if you just, if I set you here just even naturally and said, okay, for the next uh, 15 minutes, drink a gallon of water as much as you can drink, and then took you into the nicest restaurant in town with all the food, you wouldn't want it. Why? Because you're so filled with something else. And, and so much of, uh, of our lives, it's not filled with the good stuff. And, and so because we're not yielding to the Spirit, we're gratifying the flesh because we're living empty. But if we would get full of spiritual things, it, it paves the way for us to be free from the empty because we're satisfied with the good. So Paul is saying here that if you will live by the Spirit and walk by the Spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh, which was the point he was making in Romans. And and let's end here, Romans chapter 6, and watch this in verse number 11. Romans 6, 11, Paul says this, Even so, consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Well, it's like that's kind of the goal. That's what we want, dead to sin, alive to God. Watch this in verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. Okay, that's, we see that. Like those desires are real and we, we don't want them anymore. And do not go on, watch this, presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but instead do something else. Present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and the members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin will not master over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Watch verse 13, let's read it again. Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and the members of your bodies, talking about, as instruments of righteousness towards God. Watch this in verse 16. Do you not know? Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are the slave to the one you obey? either of sin resulting to death or the the obedience resulting in righteousness. Verse 19, I am now speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. Watch this. He's like, let me break it down. Let me make it simpler. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your body as slaves to righteousness resulting in sanctification. 
For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Now watch what he says here in verse 19. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity, to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness. What's he saying here? He's saying, think think about the strongest desires in your flesh that you know are unhealthy. You yielded to those so many times that now they became strong. That the more you yielded to them, the less you lost your freedom and the more they became your master. That now you're doing them without much resistance because the more you sowed to it, the more you reap from it. Uh, Paul put it this way in Galatians. He said, do not be deceived. God will, will not be mocked. If you sow to the flesh of the flesh, you will reap corruption. But if you sow to the spirit, you will reap life everlasting. And there he's not talking about money. He's talking about the day in, day out application of life. That if you keep giving in to the lust of your flesh, what happens to those lusts? They get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. But if you write those things down and you're like, I'm done with you. I am done with you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I am done with you. You will not have me any longer. And you come over, and he's, he's making this, this display. He's like, when you first started one time, you weren't addicted to even the bad things. But the more you yielded to them, the more they became your master. And when you start out reading scripture every morning, it's like you ain't going to be addicted to it. One, one time ain't going to do it. But you do it over and over and over and over and over and over, and you yield to the Spirit more and more and more and more and more. The more you do it, the more you begin to become bound by the thing you do. I've seen this even in natural stuff. Like, I I genuinely have to move now. I can remember when when working out was like, oh my gosh, everything hurts and I'm never doing it again. But the more I yield myself to it, the more I find myself yielding to it without thinking about it. That that I, I find myself wanting to do the very thing I did not want to do at first. And in your life, it'll be the same way with all these spiritual things. Coming to church when you don't feel like coming to church. Taking notes when you don't feel like wanting to take notes. Making a decision to find a church buddy that after service, you ask, like, what in the world? I would love for you to do this. Find a church buddy. If you're married, it's easy. Find a church buddy. Be like, what are we going to do with this? This message that was just preached, what are we going to do with this? What did it speak to you? What did the Holy Spirit say to you in that service? What what is the Holy Spirit dealing with your heart about right now? Like, you find that, you get that in your life, and you know what you'll want, and you do that a couple of times, you know what you'll want the next time? After you hear a message, you'll want to talk about, like, with somebody somewhere, what am I doing with this, and what are you doing with this, and what did you see, and here's what I saw. These types of things, Paul says, the more you yield yourself towards the Spirit, the more the Spirit begins to take over. And he says, if the Spirit begins to take over, you'll reap life and peace. And, and what I want for, for my life is that, that new sense of life and peace. I, I, I genuinely want, uh, in every arena of life, to be a man of the Spirit. To walk in those deep desires and to, to never yield to those strong ones. And, and so I'm on a new journey of, of fasting and what, you know, just embracing the art of denial. And, and, and through that, it feels like bondage at first, but then you, you do it long enough and it's like you find freedom and intimacy with the Lord that's just beautiful. And for your life, I don't know exactly what that may be. One of the things that I would love for you to do is to fast some and I mentioned other habits, I would love for you to find a church buddy and talk about the messages. I, I would love for you to read three chapters at least a day in, in Scripture, preferably the epistles. And when you open it, be like, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Speak to me through this. Show me something here. Now, I, I would love for you to like genuinely turn off your phone often and sit in God's presence and, and see, it really is the one needful thing of speak, Lord, with nothing but a journal and a pen and be like, what are you saying to me in this season? All of these are spiritual practices that when done and done often, the more you do them, the more you become a slave of them. 
that now they are, Paul said, controlling you instead of you trying to implement them. And he's like, when you do that, that's when you'll find life and peace. Of you're now controlled by the spirit instead of controlled by the flesh. And out of the spirit, you'll get life. And so we have a chance now to do one of my favorite spiritual disciplines, and it's worship. And a couple of years ago, well, I guess maybe a year ago or two, we made the decision to end every single service with worship. And it's so funny to me how many people walk out, like even on Sunday mornings, like to just be the first one out of a moment. And I think people wonder why we don't see progress. Because I I wish all it took was 30 minutes on Sunday and a good word. But it's, it's the opening of the heart of the spiritual practices. It's not just the singing, it's the worship. It's not just eating the cracker and the... You know, communion, when it started, started as a point of confession. Of like, okay, he gave his life for me. What sin in my life do I need to confess and give to him? That I would judge myself so that I would not be judged. How healthy of a spiritual practice is that? But see, all of these things we cheapen. And we don't want to demand anything because we don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. And honestly, I'm, I'm tired of it because... If I went into a workout program and I'm like, whatever you do, don't make me uncomfortable. I wonder how much I would grow. Versus if I came to them and said, challenge me. And even if I get uncomfortable, encourage me to keep it up. How much do you think you would grow? In a gym. It's, it's not different in church either. And what I, I want you to do in your battle against the, the world, the flesh, and the devil, is I want you to take these spiritual practices seriously and to not rush let me let me ask this just and I know you're the Sunday night crowd so you get this you leave this to go to what on on Sunday morning we're going to end with worship you leave that moment to go to what a sandwich A program to beat a line? We yield to the flesh and the world and the devil so much, even in church, we don't see it. But when we come to this place of like, no, like, even if it's just for five minutes, I yield. Even if it's just for 30 seconds, I I yield. Even if it's just three chapters, I yield. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Even if it's just with this this, this cracker that I break with communion, and I'd be like, you broke your body for me? Here's an area of my flesh I want you to break. I confess this sin. And I want your power to break its chains off of my life. If we were intentional with these spiritual practices, we would see the power of them. And so let's have a moment tonight of just sincere washing, where we just tell the Lord, Father, here we are, and we yield to you. And I I want you for the next three minutes, or however long it is, to just speak to me, wash me, cleanse me. I'm not in a hurry. I, I yield myself to you, Father. And I allow your spirit to give me the courage to crucify my flesh. Amen. Amen. Let's stand our feet and I'll pray and we can worship the Lord. Father, we come before you tonight. And we say, Lord, we love you. And we say, Lord, we yield to you. And we say, Lord, we are here for you.
Father, we don't want our flesh to win. We don't want our strong desires to constantly defeat our deepest ones. We want to be men and women of the Spirit, wholly yours, dedicated and consecrated unto you. We want to be people who fast. We want to be people who abstain from the world. We want to be people who dwell on holy ground. Just say this with me tonight before we worship if you want to. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your mercy. And tonight, Lord, I receive your grace for each and every one of my mistakes, for each and every one of my sins. And Father, I thank you because of the blood of Jesus. I can live right now with no shame and no regret over those sins. And Father, I ask you to not only give me that mercy, but would you give me grace for these next three months to end this year in the spirit and not in the flesh? Would you give me the grace in these next three months to see more dedication to your spirit than to my flesh? Would you give me the courage and the conviction, Father, to face every desire that's not of you and to kill it off so the desires of the spirit my deep desires can win and live and thrive right now father I receive that grace in the name of Jesus let's worship the Lord